We're starting a, a new series tonight, and it's going to be about faith. And so I think it's going to be good. I hope it's going to be good. And if it's not, just tell me nothing but nice things afterwards. It helps me. No, I'm kidding. Um, so let's pray, and then we'll get into it. Father, we thank you for your love. Um, we thank you for being trustworthy, someone that, that we can put our full trust in, our full faith, and I pray that as we follow you, as we, uh, as we walk in relationship with you, that we would grow deeper and deeper um, in our faith, that we would grow in faith, that we wouldn't have a stagnant faith, but one that's growing, uh, and that we would go to new levels in you. In Jesus' name, amen. I almost right there at the end snuck in a thank you, Lord, for the Mavs victory the other night. So I'm just going to go ahead and thank you, Jesus. Okay. Uh, anyway, so we'll move on. So I want to start off with, with this from 2 Thessalonians 1.3. And it says, We ought to always give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing. Everyone say, faith is growing. Your faith is growing and your love for every one of you uh, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. So, Faith isn't something that's stagnant. Faith is something that can grow. And so what I want to do over the next few weeks is just share a little bit on the subject of faith in hopes that we, as, as individuals, we as a congregation, that our faith would grow, that it would deepen. How many of you want bigger faith? I want bigger faith. And regardless of how I've seen God move before, and the things that I've experienced before, I want to continue to increase and continue to grow in my faith because faith is what pleases God. And so that's, that's the heart. And we're gonna be following someone, uh, a story of someone who is considered a hero of the faith, and that is Elijah. So we're gonna be talking about faith and we're gonna be following the story of Elijah. I shared on Mother's Day weekend a little bit about Elijah's story and as I was praying and preparing for this series, I didn't feel like we were done yet with Elijah. So that's where we're going to be. And yeah, so we're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 17 is where we're going to start. Elijah uh, was such a, an example of faith that James, as he wrote his epistle, uh, James, in chap James chapter 5 when he talks about the prayer of faith and he gives an example about the power of prayer, out of everyone that he could have used, out of all of the examples he could have given, the person that he points to as an example was Elijah. And so as we grow in faith, we're gonna be looking at his story. So 1 Kings chapter 17, starting in verse one. Now Elijah, there's, I'm gonna go ahead and let you know now, there's gonna be a lot of weird words coming up here shortly. Uh, now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab. That's a lot, that's a lot. As the Lord, the God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall neither be dew nor rain these years except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to him. Everyone say word of the Lord. Okay, depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. 
You shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. Everyone say word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook Cherith, that is east of Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. And after a while, the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. So our introduction to this character, Elijah, is kind of just abrupt. He seems to just kind of come out of nowhere, and he's going to eventually leave out of nowhere. But he just kind of shows up, and he shows up, and he pronounces this drought that's going to be happening. And the reason for this is because at the time, you have King Ahab and Jezebel who are leading the nation, and they are leading the nation into idolatry, worship of false gods, and they are leading them in a direction away from Yahweh, their God, and towards false worship. And they're leading them towards the worship of Baal, who Baal claims to have authority over the storms, over the weather, as well as over fertility. And so what's happening here is Elijah in this prophecy is making a direct claim that Baal is not the one who has the authority that it claims to have. Uh, That the authority over creation, over the fertility, over blessing is coming from Yahweh, not from Baal. And so especially in this era, uh, rain is a big deal, okay? Everything revolves around the ability to produce uh, from, from the earth. And so it's not just the inconvenience of, well, my yard's gonna get brown a little earlier this year. Um, like it, it's significant in terms of the impact on economy, on families, everything. It's a huge thing. And so Elijah comes and he shows up onto the scene and he makes this prophecy that there's not gonna be any more, any more rain. And I would imagine that Elijah... By the way, I'm not going to go into all of them, but just in those seven verses, there are several uh, allusions to Moses and the story of, of Moses. And there's clearly in the introduction of Elijah, this comparison being made, this parallel being made between Elijah's ministry and Moses's ministry. Something that based on how we see Elijah's story play out, he has this heart One thing that's clear is he has this heart for the people of God to turn back to Yahweh, to worship Yahweh as God again. And with this heart, uh, there would likely be this sense of, uh, there would be this temptation to make it happen on his own. So much like Moses, who we see, he uh, he's called like God God chooses him and calls him to be a deliverer, to lead people out of slavery. And Moses falls into the temptation of trying to make that happen on his own, killing the Egyptian. And at this point, what we see is when the word of the Lord comes to Elijah, he's faced with this choice of, am I go-? like I just came onto the scene, this thing that's been burning in my heart to see people come back to the Lord, I finally get my chance to now prophesy and now walk in my ministry. And the Lord tells him, so here's what I want you to do. Go and hide. So the first thing that we're gonna see here that I want us to learn from is 
is what is the basis, like what, what is the guide for Elijah? Is it going to be to fulfill his own desires or is he going to be led by the word of God? And when it comes to faith, the word of God is the basis, it's the foundation of faith. And so for Elijah, and if you continue reading chapter 17, the most frequent phrase that you're gonna run across is the word of the Lord. It's clear that, that the word of the Lord is for Elijah, his, his guide, uh, the, the most important thing to him. It's what's determining his steps. And so here he has this decision to either make things happen on his own or to be obedient to what God says and go into hiding. And what the Lord has for him is he's going to show him the blessing of hiddenness. Because being hidden can be a blessing. In a, a time whenever it's so easy to get so famous so quickly, a lot of times people outpace their, their development. And there is a, there's a maturing that happens in the waiting. That if you get promoted too quickly, uh, you realize you miss out on the blessing of hiddenness. And so the Lord is inviting Elijah into the blessing of hiddenness. And I would imagine that there's this, this sense of, I mean, the, the Lord has called me to step into this kind of ministry and it seemed like it was finally my moment, but now it's time to take a step back and kind of go back into hiding. And this is what some would call the meantime. Uh, like if you've ever experienced this, you sense that God is calling you to do something, but you're not there yet. And there is this meantime period between where you're at and where you wanna be, okay? So I've said this before, I'll say it again, but the, the meantime is not a waiting room it's a training ground. That when we're in that waiting, so the, the first, the title for my message tonight is, is uh, faith to wait. Will we have faith to wait whenever we don't see what we wanna see, when we don't see enough of what we wanna see, will we trust God, will we have faith to wait? And the first instance of this that we see with Elijah's story is, is he going to have faith to wait in the meantime? Whenever you're waiting to step into what God has called you to do, will you take matters into your own hands? Will you try to force it? Will you try to force your own way or will you wait? And so what Elijah learns through this process is he learns the supernatural provision of God, right? These ravens come and, and feed him and he goes on to uh, get his miracle working feet under him with the, the widow and seeing God work and move there, all in hiding, okay, all in secret. These aren't things, uh, a friend of mine that I was talking to this year, she said uh, all of the things that she wanted to do this year and they were awesome things and she said, my goal this year is to be secretly awesome. <laughs> and I love that because it's, it's so easy to let everyone know uh, all of your accolades, all of your accomplishments so quickly but there's something about getting your legs under you where no one else can see. Whether it's serving, uh, that's one thing. Whether it's sacrifice, that's another. Of I'm going to do this. I, I, 
this is a spiritual practice, serving in secret. I'm gonna do this thing, I'm gonna serve, and no one else is gonna know. There's, there's someone in the, the body that, uh, that does woodwork, and someone was speaking of, of his work and said that, uh, that, I mean, they were just so impressed by, by his craftsmanship, and he said, he makes cuts that no one's gonna see. And he says, this is just between me and God. I love that. I love whether it's our work, whether it's our parenting, our marriages, these acts of service that's just between you and God. No one's gonna see, no one's gonna know. I love that. Because something happens, something's formed in hiddenness that prepares you for whenever the time comes. You see it in David's story. Those things that he did in secret, the, the lion, the bear, that whenever the, the big time came and he had to step up in front of everybody, he had a history with God so that when the moment came and it was in front of the whole nation, he was ready. And so don't despise that waiting. Don't despise that meantime. Have faith to not force it and just be patient and wait on God in the meantime. And so uh, now we're gonna fast forward about three years, okay? So the last thing we hear God say to Elijah was go and hide. So about three years later, opens up chapter 18, and now God is saying, go show yourself to King Ahab and tell him that, that rain's coming. So now we hear God saying to Elijah, go. Previously, God said, hide, okay? I don't want us to miss this, is sometimes God, the, the marching orders that we receive change along the way. Okay, that's why faith comes by hearing, not having heard. Okay, if Elijah just said, you know what? God told me to go and hide and I saw God provide for me with the ravens, that was really cool. And I have that testimony to share. And then God also helped me provide for this widow and her son and then I raised the son back to life. Like that was great. That was all good. That's, that's worth writing a book about. And if he just left it at that, and he just said, you know what? I'm just going to go off of my past experiences with God, and I'm gonna stop tuning in and stop listening. Those were great exploits, but God wasn't done yet. And this is one of the hurdles that people face in growing in faith, is just living off of yesterday's manna and going, you know what? I had those great exploits in God years ago uh, that I can, I can tell stories about and I can share, and that's all great. But God's, if you're breathing, God's not done with you yet, okay? And so that's why I'm so impressed by this that it's three years later and Elijah is still listening. He's still listening. Another hurdle that people face whenever it comes to just going off of what you've heard is it can foster this mentality of, I've heard that before. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When you have this mentality of when, when the word is presented, when the word is sown of, I've heard that before, then it's going to be a hurdle for you in growing in faith. Because again, faith doesn't come off of having heard, faith comes off of hearing. There's always something new that we can learn. There's, so 
getting past that, I think is, is really important. And so Elijah goes, confronts Ahab. They have this big battle that we're gonna look at next week, okay? So we're gonna fast forward again. So fast forward, did you like my fast forward sound? So fast forward to, sorry, 1 Kings 18.41. So this is after the battle, resulting in Elijah ordering hundreds of false prophets to be killed uh, and, and Yahweh proving that he is superior to Baal. So verse 41, Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of the rushing of rain. I love that. I love that. It's been a drought for three plus years. And Elijah, there's, there's nothing in the natural that says rain's coming. And yet he says to a servant, go tell Ahab, I hear the sound of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink and Elijah went to the top of Mount Carmel and he bowed himself down on the earth and put his face between his knees. Um, this, uh, this instruction that Elijah gives to King Ahab is another one of the parallels between Moses' story. And the story of Moses in Exodus chapter 24, after Moses establishes the covenant between God and his people, uh, Moses and the elders go up on Sinai and they have a covenant meal together. They, it says they go up to eat and to drink and in the presence of the Lord. And so this is another parallel here. And so Elijah, what's happening is Elijah's telling King Ahab, remember who like, we're introduced to Ahab with the phrase, he's done more evil than all the kings before him, okay? Bad guy, not the good kind of bad, the bad kind of bad, bad guy. And, uh, and this is how we're introduced to him. And yet, Elijah is giving this invitation to him for repentance. He's saying, go up, eat and drink. The same thing that happened with Moses and the elders whenever God made the covenant, they went up in the presence of God to eat and to drink, to establish this covenant. And the same thing's happening here where, where Elijah is giving this invitation to Ahab, go renounce your ways of following Baal and be faithful to Yahweh again and follow or and lead the people of Israel in faithfulness to Yahweh. And Ahab agrees. Granted, if someone just called fire down from heaven and tells you to do something, I'm doing it. Like I'm, I'm doing what that guy says. And so Ahab listens and he goes up to eat and to drink. And meanwhile, while he goes and does that, Elijah goes to prayer. And uh, it says that he gets low and he puts his knee or his head between his knees, which is a very interesting description. I'm not going to model that tonight, uh, not because I'm too proud, but because I think I'm physically incapable 
of doing it. Uh, we, we lost power during those storms on Monday. So one of the perks of having a uh, tankless water heater is that you never run out of hot water. That's great. One of the downsides is when you don't have electricity, you don't have any hot water. So I took cold showers for a couple days and I think I'm still tense from that, uh, which is pitiful. That's embarrassing. All those YouTube gurus that say, taking a cold shower is great for you. Whatever, okay, whatever. Don't, don't buy into that. Um, but anyway, so Elijah gets down in prayer and he gets in a position, a posture, where he's focused, where he's not looking around, and he tells his servant to go up and to look, see if he sees anything, because rain's, rain's coming. So he tells his servant, go up, look toward the sea. And his servant went up and came back with the report, there is nothing. Anyone who has believed God for anything has found themselves in this spot at some point. You're believing God for something and you look around in hopes that you see it and what you see is nothing. If you haven't been in this spot, um, start believing God for stuff <laughs> that you can't do in and of yourself. Like if you can make it happen on your own, you're, you're not fully believing God. You're, anyway, I'm not gonna get into all that. I wanna be a person of big faith. I don't wanna insult God with, with small thinking, with small faith. I wanna be a person of big faith. Being a person of big faith puts you in situations like this where you're believing for something that you can't make happen on your own. And you're looking around and there's nothing, nothing. I mean, think of Abraham and Sarah. God calls them to become a family of nations, that they're going to grow into this huge family and a nation. At the time, what do they have? Nothing, nothing. God tells Moses that he's gonna set the Israelites free who are in slavery. And what do they have? Nothing. Jesus with the 4,000 who are hungry for his word and to the point to where they're fainting out of starvation because they're just hanging on every word. They don't wanna leave his presence. They're just hanging on every word he says and the report they get back is they have nothing. They have nothing to eat. The woman with the issue of blood who spent all of her money trying to resolve the ailment that she's facing in the natural. She spends all of her money and she winds up with nothing. Nothing is God's specialty. Nothing is God's specialty. When you look around, when you're believing God for something and you see nothing, 
that doesn't mean that nothing is happening. Because I'm no meteorologist, okay? Just the fact that I can say that word is, is, is good enough for me. But I, I know that on one level, this report is true. This report of his servant goes up, he looks around and he reports back, there's nothing. On one level, that's true. But on another level, just because you can't see something doesn't mean that something's not happening, okay? I know I, I've lived in Tornado Alley long enough to know that just because you can't see clouds doesn't mean that rain isn't coming. Rain, the, the whole process doesn't start when the cloud forms. There's temperatures involved, there's moisture involved. So even though they can't see anything, it doesn't mean that there's not anything, that there's not something happening that they can't see. That's faith. We don't live by what we can see. We live by faith. We live by faith. We don't leave, we don't, we don't leave. Speaking of living in the South, we don't live, uh, we don't live based on what our carnal senses can perceive. We live by faith. And so Elijah in this moment, uh, just think about how tough of a situation it had to be for the guy who was the servant. You know, Elijah just told you to go tell the evil king who's been killing God's prophets for a long time now, hey, deal's done, rain's coming, don't worry about it. We're good, we're set. And now you go back to Elijah and he tells you to go look for the rain that's coming and you go look and there's no rain. And now you have to go tell Elijah who isn't a guy that handles bad news really well. Um, now you have to go tell him like, hey, I don't see anything. That's, that's gotta be a tough spot to be. But he goes back and he tells Elijah, hey, I don't see anything. There's nothing. And Elijah's response was, go again. Go again. Because Elijah has this conviction based on what God has said. It's, again, it's not because of his reputations on the line. It's not because of some personal gain that he has involved here. It's God has said this, and so because God said it, it's gonna happen. There's this conviction that he has that everything that God has said is going to come to pass. Even if I can't see it, it's gonna happen. So keep going, keep going. He doesn't, he doesn't uh, give up, throw in the towel and say, well, that was a good effort. We might wanna go back into hiding because Ahab's not gonna be happy. He doesn't give up. He doesn't fear. He tells his servant, go back. This is what faith looks like, is having a conviction that God has said something and so he's going to see it through. That even if I can't see it, even if I look around and all I see is nothing, I know what God has said and I'm standing on that. Faith is the conviction of things unseen. That's what faith is. It's having this conviction of even though I can't see it, God has said it and it's gonna come to pass. So Elijah 
doesn't freak out. He doesn't uh, lose his mind. He tells his servant to go back. I think a lot of times, yeah, I think a lot of times when we're believing God for something and we're standing in faith, we can start to act more like the prophets of Baal did in chapter 18 that are trying to get their God to move. And so they start begging and pleading and doing everything they can do to get their God's attention. Even to the point of cutting themselves, that's a bit far, okay. But uh, they're having to beg and plead and get his attention to move or to do something. And maybe if I just twist God's arm, maybe if I just say the right thing, God will change his mind and decide to do something about this. Uh, Elijah doesn't do that. He has this confidence in God's character. And he's just able to say, keep going, keep going. Even if it takes seven times, because we're not moving off this mountain until rain comes. We're not moving until it happens. There is no plan B. God is going to come through for us. And so the servant goes up, comes down, nothing. Goes up, comes down, nothing. The last time Elijah prayed for something, it happened immediately, right? Fire comes down from heaven. He didn't have to wait forever. It was, it was immediate. Yet in this situation, it doesn't happen right away. So is he going to have faith in the waiting? Is he going to continue to trust God even when he can't see it? So he tells him to go again and go again. Verse 44. And at the seventh time, he said, Behold, a little cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. And he said, Go up and say to Ahab, Prepare your chariot and go down, lest the rain stop you. I love that. I love that. When there was nothing in sight, he said, you know what? I hear rain. And now there's just this tiny little cloud and he's like, y'all better get out of here because it's about to come a flood. I love that. And in a little while, the heavens grew black with clouds and wind and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah and he gathered up his garment and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. I love that. His servant goes up, comes down, nothing. Go again, go again, go again, go again. We're not leaving off this mountain. There is no plan B. God is going to be faithful. And he comes back. And I, I hope that you see as I'm sharing this, I, I don't do the best job of this. I'll work on it. But I hope that you're, you're making the connections to the things that you're believing God for. Goes up, nothing. Comes back down and he said, listen, there's something. It's a, it's a cloud about the size of my hand, but way out in the distance. Not the shape of a hand. That's what I always pictured as a kid hearing the story. I'm like, a hand-shaped cloud, that's weird. There's this tiny cloud way out in the distance coming out of the sea. It's not, it's not nothing, but it's not everything we need. Here's the next phase of faith. 
The first one is when there's nothing. The second phase is whenever there's something, but it's not everything you need. It's just something small. And a lot of times we get so caught up and hung up in seeing the fullness or the ideal that we miss the small beginnings along the way, the small clouds that that come up. Because not only is nothing God's specialty, uh, God can do a lot with a little. I mean, going back to the, the story of the Jesus feeding the 4,000 and they had nothing. And so he looks at his disciples and he's like, what do you guys have? They said, well, we've got a little bit of bread, a few fish. Um, and I don't know if I'd wanna eat fish that's been sitting out that long, but that's fine. I guess if you're that hungry, but this is what we got. It's not enough. Like it's not everything that these people need. It's just something little. And Jesus said, we can work with that. We can work with that. He can, little is much when God's in it. Uh, You know, it may be you're believing God for your house to be paid off and someone just paid for your lunch. It's like, well, that's not quite what I was hoping for. Uh, It's a cloud. You know, you may be believing for your marriage to be 100% healthy and restored because it's, it's in shambles. And last night, you laughed together for the first time in forever. It's not everything, but it's not nothing. It's a cloud. There's been the, the whole thing with a lot, the story of Elijah being on my heart it started with, with this, that phrase, a cloud the size of a man's hand. Not super long ago, there was a particular day where two things just back to back hit me and there were, uh, it's, it's always a bit of a risk when you share stories like this, but I'm just gonna take it. But both of them had to do with, with finances. And it was just kind of like same day, these two things that we didn't see coming came up. And at the time we're in the process of building a house and we're looking at that and we're thinking, Lord, I know what you've said. You're gonna see us through this, but I'm looking at this and I don't know how you're gonna do it. Um, and because of that, it, it brought, you know, cause for worry and concern and like what's, I don't know what we're gonna do is kind of the point that we, we were at. And I was in a meeting at the time when those things happened. And I walked out of the meeting and I was walking down the hall and someone came up and said, hey, I just felt like the Lord uh, laid on my heart to, to give you this. And so they, they gave me something. And the, the value of what they gave me was, was exactly one half percent of what we needed. So one half percent, you can do the math. That's like needing a hundred bucks and someone giving you 50 cents. Okay, so when they, they gave that to me, uh, immediately what I heard in my heart was a cloud the size of a man's hand. And immediately I knew this, is, this isn't everything, but it's not nothing. Uh, God is still, he hasn't forgotten me. 
He hasn't forgotten you. Like, even though in your, whatever you're believing God for, you may be past the I don't see anything phase, like there's nothing there. You may be seeing something, but it's not the fullness of what you feel like God is, is calling you into. And you look at that and you say, this isn't everything I need, it's not the ideal, but there's been this shift that's happened in me since that, that moment of all of these little things, I just immediately, when they happen, the shift is, that's a cloud. Because I'm someone who, okay, another thing, this is part of being at midweek is, is you get a little bit more raw, I think, but I'm someone who I'm constantly trying to improve. And so because of that, very rarely am I ever at a place where I'm like, that's good enough. Um, personally, just with my own, like I, I want to be a person of excellence. I want to do things well. And so very rarely is it ever, that's good enough. It's always, that's great, but we're not all the way there. So I'm going to take about two seconds to acknowledge that's cool. And then I'm going to go on to, I still have this huge thing that I've got to, to tackle. And so since then though, there's been this shift in me that the things that I'm believing God for, for me, my family, for this church, whenever these little things pop up, so for example, on Sunday, someone came up to me and shared a testimony about a healing that they experienced of what, like experiencing a healing in their physical heart. And it was awesome. And though there's still this great need of other miracles, other healing that we're still standing for, believing for, in that moment, instead of just going, that's cool, but my focus is on the problem areas, it was immediately, that's a cloud. That's a cloud. That means rain's coming. So if I can leave you with anything, it's, it's that. It's having that perspective shift that when you're believing God for something and you don't see anything or what you see isn't enough, it's not everything that you're believing God for, to have faith in the waiting and in those little things to look at that and go, that's a cloud, that's a cloud. Rain's coming. I'm believing for my marriage to be 100% restored. Every small step along the way, it's a cloud. I'm believing for a spouse and I look around and I see nothing, you know? Or there may be a little something, something. That may be a cloud, you know? As long as they're godly people, okay? Faith and waiting go hand in hand. To have faith in God, to be growing in faith, is to grow in your ability to wait to be patient. When we're waiting, we're not doing nothing. In the waiting, whether it's the meantime for your calling, whether it's I'm believing God for this, but I'm not seeing it yet, or I'm not seeing the fullness of it yet, continue to wait, continue to put your trust in God because what happens in that process is you become stronger. Those who trust in the Lord, their strength is renewed. You don't grow weary or faint 
But as you trust in the Lord in your waiting, you actually grow stronger and you're able to persevere through that. 